Christ is risen. He is risen Before we get started, any other uh, blinding light um, questions or, or anything from previous sections in this or something else? While you're thinking, I'll share with you. Um, so on Thursday night, we had a piano and violinist uh, here. Uh, afterwards, uh, the pianist had posted on Facebook pictures of the church and was, uh, you know, it's a beautiful church. But he also commented about, uh, well, this is what he, he said. He said, the best part of doing it, of going around to churches, is traveling and visiting gorgeous churches such as this one. And hands down, this one is at the top with best acoustics. So. And it was fun to get to, um, to hear that, but then also to uh, share a little song with them at the end. To, to um, Yeah, that was nice. Anything from, I, I've got one thing from the previous section that we had already done, but I went through and I highlighted sections that I wanted to refer to, and then I, as I got into it, I'm like, there was a, it's the problem of highlighting in a Bible, is that you end up highlighting the whole thing. They <laughs> 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 um, started by, you know, I want to point out this word or this phrase, and then it gets to be more and more, but that gives me some reminder, at least, that's why they're highlighted. Um, and the first one is that, that we're, the, a little while, when Peter's talking about you'll have to suffer, in, is to rejoice for a little while, you've been grieved by various trials. And we talked a little bit about that, just that it's temporary, and that temporary, it has an end, and that is a comfort, so that you know that it's not just going to go on forever. But the question that I would just add to that is, what's the limit? So, so for a little while indicates that there's a limit to the suffering. And it's just worth thinking about who limits it. Why is it limited? Um, we might just say, well, it's limited because it can only go as long as I'm alive. Because <laughs> you know? my life is limited. But, it's, but I think it's more than that. And to say that the, the one, someone's got, the hand, got his hand on the control, on the, on the limit. Yeah? And that's a, that should be a comfort to us. He who knows all my woes knows how best to end them knows when, and, and so that it will not be a minute longer. And that's also why that, if necessary, it will not be any more than is necessary. And it will not go any more, any longer than it would, um, uh, just like the gospel for last Sunday, was it? Um, where Jesus says, it, um, when, when the end comes, it'll, say, it'll be so long that if it went any longer, it, it'll be cut short for the sake of the elect. And it says if it went longer, it could deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, the elect can't be led astray because they're, they're elect. Um, but he said, it says, like, if it went a minute longer, then they would. <laughs> but, and so, so he, he will not let it, he will not get, let it go too long. I think that should be a comfort to us. Um, then, uh, let's see, we had gotten into seven, so we talked a little bit about the the testing of faith and his comparison to the testing or the, the, the purifying nature of like burning uh, precious metals like gold. Um, though it says, you know, that perishes. So this, um, this thing, your faith is more precious than that. But even gold um, is tested by fire. And here he has in mind, again, he has the idea of it being authenticated, right? Because if it's burned, you know, another substance wouldn't, wouldn't survive the fire, but faith will. Um, and in, but the, the other thing that we might think of in this is what's burned off in purifying. It burns off impurities. And we talked a little bit about that, those things taken away from us. Um, but I want to point out the, the phrase, the revelation of Jesus Christ on the sheet I have that last question um, about the last time. So we just want to talk about the, the question asks, when are the last times? When, when is it talking about? What is this? He says, um, this may, uh, the, or your faith, after being tested, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, what does that mean? So to be revealed would be to be made manifest, to be shown. So, so 
and considering that the, we have the book of Revelation is at the end of the Bible, right? Because there Jesus is revealed, although the revelation is the revelation to St. John. John saw Jesus in this vision. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ to John. What is the revelation of Jesus Christ? Is it Jesus appearing, so you can't see him now, and Peter's going to go on in the next couple of verses, and talk about, though you can't see him, you don't see him now, you will see him, but now, even now, when you can't see him, you love him. Someday, you will see him. Yeah? And so is that the revelation? I think that's probably the ultimate, right? That's the, the final revelation. You could understand, um, we can talk about Jesus being revealed to us even now. Not just that we, because we, now we don't see him face to face, but is there a revelation of Jesus Christ that, that is now? How does that happen to us? Through the word of God, through the means of grace, we Jesus is revealed to us, not to our eyes. They say the, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, this teaches us we're always learning to be able to see with our ears. This is what we're learning to do now, is to learn to see with our ears, um, to, to hear his voice, and in his voice to recognize him. I, I imagine that when we get to heaven or at the last day, you know, we'll all know, we'll all know what Jesus looks like, even though we've never seen him. We've seen these, these artist renditions. There's no photographs, right? So we've seen artist renditions. How are you going to know it's Jesus? You know, you could say on the one hand, you'll just know because you're in heaven, right? I think it's even, to me, it's more comforting to say, well, I'll know it when he starts talking. I will absolutely, not that I know that he, I'll recognize his pitch, like he's got a manly voice, of course that's Jesus. Um, or maybe he's a more of a high-pitched voice. You know, it might be totally not what you expect, right? But you will recognize the voice of Jesus because his sheep hear his voice. We've been listening to him. Not because we know the pitch, not because we know what he looks like, but because we recognize his voice. And I'd say that is, that is a part. Um, what does Peter have in mind here? Does he have in mind here the revelation of Jesus Christ through his word in the gospel now? Or at, at the end? It does seem to be Aiming, I think, mostly towards the, towards the end, because it seems like a future thing, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that your faith may be found to be result, result in praise and glory and honor. You know, to, to be a Christian doesn't result in praise and honor and glory to you now. And your faith doesn't get that much credit. It's kind of a lowly thing here. And so I think that maybe has in mind that the, the ultimate revealing. But... It's just like with the inheritance, you know. The inheritance is yours. But, you, you know, it doesn't get signed over into your name until you're there. Um, but it's still yours. <laughs> and, he's in, and all the way in this section, remember, he says, he says and, and in this you rejoice. In these last times. The rejoicing happens now. Um, so there, there is a present thing that we have. Our faith is not nothing. Our faith is not just grasping at air. And, well, so if, if Jesus is not visible to our eyes now, then so is the praise and the glory and the honor. That's invisible, too. So it could be that, that that is ours, too. It's just not seen yet. So then, next verse, though you have seen him, you have not seen him, you love him. Uh, and that's how do you, how do you, how do we do that? Um, you love him again without having seen him. You know, you imagine you imagine people who like you know, started a, a romance uh, via by pen pal, by email, or by by letter, right? You can imagine this. People they they grew to, but they'd never met. They've never perhaps even seen a picture of this other person, but they've grown to, um, I mean, I think it can happen. They can, you can say they've grown to love someone entirely through words. 
Um, and then, you know, that's a, that's a good movie plot then, right? Then they find out that the other person is, you know, something completely different than what they expected and maybe not as pleasant to the eye or something like that or, or some other thing that they, they find out that this isn't, you know, and then they have to wrestle through that and that's the, that's the plot. Um, well, that's not the way this ends. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you, have not, you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy. You see that? The rejoicing goes at the same time as the believing. It's not with the seeing. Our temptation, our inclination is to only, like the rejoicing needs to come with the seeing. That then will rejoice. You, though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with. And this is, so this word rejoice is the same word that I said um, was, had come up here, verse 6, in this you rejoice, same word. But then, but then, and do you remember when, I, when we talked about that word? That rejoicing is like rejoice with great joy. That's like, it's like super rejoice. Okay? But now he's, it doesn't, that's not enough. Because he's got to say, to rejoice um, with joy. He has to say extra words to add on to the word that already means super joy. Right? To rejoice with joy, uh, with a re- joy that is inexpressible. It can't, you can't put words to it. Um, and is filled with glory, full of glory, this joy. That's now. You know, the faith is, if we, the faith is in the future, but the faith gives joy now. Is, is what he, and then obtaining the, the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I just want to point to this, this word outcome. NIV has goal, and that's pretty good too. Um, the, the word is tell us, uh, in, in Greek, it's, it, yeah, goal, the, the end point. It's the thing that, that you're headed towards. So what is, where is faith? Um, one translation, I think, uses the word end. And that might be confused. We say that it is the end of our faith. But, it, but it's that too. Because this is what our faith is, is entirely pointed, directed to. Um, and you are re- so receiving or obtaining the what, what your faith is, what's the purpose of it? What's the goal of it? There will come a time when we won't need faith anymore. When we have sight, right? Um, we won't be believing in something that we can't see, but then we'll be have something that we, that we can see. Um, what is the outcome? What is the goal, the end point of your faith? It is the salvation of your souls. Now, um, there we want to, to be clear what, when, when the, the, uses the term soul. Sometimes the Bible does um, use the term soul in, con, in con, uh, distinction from the body, but that's not the normal way. So when he says the obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, this is the, the soul as basically it's the word for you. <laughs> It's the person, the individual. It's the whole you, your soul. Um, so, you know, if you hear um, this, a ship went down in the ocean, all, you know, so many souls on board. They're not just counting, then, 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 but, but we found this many bodies, if the number doesn't match up. That's not what they're saying, right? Souls on board are, are people, but it recognizes that they are more than just flesh. It is not distinguishing, not to say you've got... And this is kind of a dualism, kind of a Gnosticism. We've talked about that before. That wants to separate the body and the soul, and that says, um, and then kind of drive drive a wedge in here. And so you kind of talk about people as, well, this is something that happens to their soul, and then this happens to their body, as if there's this wall. That's not what we are. Our being is, we might say, embodied souls. We are souls. We're not just, nor are we just flesh, um, but we're not just minds either. Like, what's the real you? And they'll want, and sometimes in our kind of Gnostic mind, we'll say, what's the real you? That's this. And this isn't the real you. You'll hear that at funerals when you'll see, they'll, they'll talk about the body of the deceased and say, that's not them. Um, 
what, what God made you as is this. <coughs> this, is, this is not just like a container for you. You are body and soul and body, a body and soul. So when he says the outcome, you have obtained the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your souls, it's not to say, um, well, your, your soul got saved, your body doesn't need saving. See, but we know this, our body needs saving too. Because our body's us. And death does separate these, That's, that is a separation that we have. And, and they're, they're separated at the same time we don't, like, this, this doesn't cease to be us anymore. Yeah. Uh, so when do you receive the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls? <coughs> when does that take place? When is that fulfilled? When do you receive the salvation of your soul? When is that? Yeah. When? When you die. I guess. When you die? Because when you die, then then your where where's where's your body? Then then that's in the grave. Um, I would say that this does not complete. When you die, have you received everything that Jesus has promised you? Not yet. When do we finally receive everything that Jesus has promised us? At the resurrection, right? At the last day. So you're not, you're not, Jesus is not, not finished with you when your body's in the grave. He's got to come back. He's got a promise about you that he's promised for. Um, and so the, the final, the full culmination of, of our salvation comes at judgment. Day, which is why we confess that in the creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Pastor, on that paragraph that we're talking about right now, mm -hmm. is that us doing some things, or are we receiving gifts from God? You have a, a phrase in particular? Well, no, but this? like, you love him, you know, and it, it always sounds like we're doing something, yeah. and yet faith and some of these things are feel like they're gifts, and we are receiving it. I, I think that that... The, there is an amount of response in this, you know, so, um, you know, suffering, so in the context, you've got this, faith is always, you know, we always have in mind faith's object, right? And so your faith, not in the sense that you have to develop this faith, because in this case, actually, what's, what's testing the faith? The, the trials are, um, and, but it's not that, well, you know, you've got to build up your faith. You've got to, you know, suffer a little bit. You're not building it up. Um, you are, yeah, you are the one who has the faith, but you are not the doer of faith. Um, that is an important thing for us to, to, to remember. That faith is not, that's how, um, where did we see that? I think partly here. Um, by God's power, be, you are being guarded through faith. Who's guarding you? Or what's guarding you? What's the force behind the guarding? Who's the, who's the, the mighty guard? Well, that's by God's power. right? That's the active agent. Um, through usually indicates means. So how does God do this? How does God guard you? By faith. Right? It's a, you know, faith is a tool that God uses. Um, he's he's the he's the, the, the active agent, even though it isn't you who believe, right? But it's his. That's that's how we talk, right? The, the, that the faith is a gift of given of the Holy Spirit. Um, that He works in us, uh, so that we would can be tied to Him and not, you know, ne never. You know, we, we have this idea of faith like you're on the you're on the edge of a of a cliff, right? And and you're holding on, and it's like there's your there's your faith, right? You've got to hold on, you've got to grab it. Um, maybe maybe it'd be better to think of it the other way, and that it's he's the one holding on to you. Um, rather, um, 
another way to all that you think of like that, like you're like if you think of faith as us grabbing something from God, that, that does put a lot of it makes it seem like we're the we're really doing that. Um, another way of thinking of that is simply the, the hand that receives, right? And it is it is the hand that receives, um, but the, the treasure is the thing that he puts in your hand. That would be the other side. It would be despair, uh, which is literally what the word well, it means without hope, right. is what despair means, right? Uh, and, and so without this, then, especially in times of trial, too, that's where it gets tested. And if it wasn't faith, then it would be despair if we didn't, if it if we're testing. But for a little while, after that, you know, day is like a thousand years. Yeah, yeah. Jesus also says he'll return in a little while too. So, but but it is it is still a comfort to us to say when Jesus says soon. Yeah. All right. Then I think we can move into verses ten through twelve. We haven't read through those verses, so why don't we do that before we jump in? Verses ten through twelve. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit from heaven, sent from heaven, in things into which angels long to look. All right. On the, move the ivory sheet. Concerning the salvation prophets, he's going to go back to talk about the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time, the Spirit of Christ. So first question is about this Spirit of Christ. We'll come back to the searching and inquiring. Um, what is this Spirit of Christ? In inquiring, so there's the prophets who are prophesying about the grace that is to be given, um, and they are asking the question about, uh, they're, they're searching about the person or the time that the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. Who is that? Or what is that? How would you, how would, I don't even know how to answer the question. Like, what's the Spirit of Christ? Which person of the Trinity are we talking about here? Huh? So they say, say Holy Spirit? Then we say the, the Spirit of Christ. There's one other place in the New Testament, at least, um, where that's used. I don't know if I wrote it down. I think it's in Romans, um, Romans 8, I believe, uh, where Paul also refers to the Spirit of Christ. I think in a different context. Um, but the, So if this is the Holy Spirit, we, this maybe will help us. So let's say, I think it is. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. But he's referred to as the Spirit of Christ. He could also be referred to as the Spirit of God. What is that telling us about the Holy Spirit? If he is, or maybe, called the, whole, the Spirit of Christ. Okay, so, it is, so it's going to kind of open up the Trinity. We're going to say, oh yeah, like, like the distinctions between the persons aren't... They're, they're very close, right? They're distinct. We're not, we're not mixing the persons here. We say in the Athanasian Creed, we don't mix the persons. The, the Holy Spirit is distinct. So we're not going to say that the Spirit and Christ are the, all the, that's, there's no distinction. There is. But what does the Spirit do? What was the Spirit? So let's just for now leave this out. Uh, the prophets, um, they predicted the sufferings of Christ. And he says, well, that was the Spirit of Christ in them. So what does that tell us about the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit all about? And we, we wouldn't have to have this verse to, to learn this. We can learn this from Jesus himself when he sends the Holy Spirit. But what is the Holy Spirit there to do? What is he sent to do? 
to proclaim, or maybe ask it this way, who does the Holy Spirit always want to talk about? Christ. Always Christ. Um, it's, it's, it almost seems, it seems very like, singular, like, like I, I know I've, I've used this before, but it's like, you know, the, the person that you've perhaps dated once that always wants to talk about one thing, or it's usually themselves. You know, there's just like this one thing that they always, that every time you talk to them, they always talk about this. Um, that's like the Holy Spirit, but less annoying. Because, because it's always about Jesus, right? You know, like you want to, no, Holy Spirit, tell me about yourself. Where'd you grow up? You know, like, you know, it always turns the conversation back to Jesus. It's always about Jesus. Even, where does this tell us? Even in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit. So we have Pentecost in the, you know, 50 days after Easter, the sending of the Holy Spirit, but that doesn't mean that's the creation of the Holy Spirit. That's not the beginning of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been active just as Jesus has been. Active throughout. And so who inspires the prophets to speak in the Old Testament? That's also the Holy Spirit. But it is the Spirit of Christ. So he inspires them, but not to just to say whatever they want. Their, their, their objective entirely is, is concerning Christ. Um, so, it tells us about the Holy Spirit. What does it tell us about Christ then? If, even in the Old Testament, um, the Spirit who is predicting these things is the Spirit of Christ. That the, the Christ is also present there too, and active there in the Old Testament. So when we, or the prophets, would look back at these prophetic words, what, what should we expect to find? Jesus, all over. And the Holy Spirit has, has seen to it that that would be the case. What else? Uh, what do I have on there? Teach us about Christ. What does it teach us about the Holy Spirit? What does it teach us about the Holy Scriptures? Considering that these prophets didn't just uh, preach, but their preaching, their prophecies got written down, Right? in the Holy Scriptures, and the, the, the Scriptures are, re, are, the, are the word of the prophets, whether, that's, whether that was the prophets speaking, and especially then when they are written down. So the, the, it teaches us that the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures in particular, what should we expect to find there? Yeah, we want, and, and, and God's word particularly about Jesus. We should, we should expect. So it's going to give us some guidance on how we read, in particular, the Old Testament. We're going to expect that, that Jesus is going to be proclaimed there, predicted. Um, we'll, we'll look at some samples of that. Um, what does it tell us about preaching? Is that what I have next? Prophets and preaching. They are agents of the Spirit. Not everything that a preacher says, and perhaps not everything that a prophet said was we would say inspired by the Spirit directly, like verbally inspired. What, was, what we have written down, because of the testimony of Scripture, we believe to be inspired in this way, that the words that the prophets wrote were the words that God intended for them to write. Not everything, we would say, not everything that maybe even a prophet said. I don't know that we have a specific promise that every word that... Isaiah ever uttered was inspired of God. But we, we have testimony that the words that they wrote were. Yeah? Um, similarly, you know, <clears throat> the preaching today, we don't have the promise that <laughs> for sure everything that your preacher, that your pastor preaches is inspired of God and is without error. Right? And yet, and yet, when it is, what we would say, in line with the Spirit's revelation, the written scriptures, so when you, when you preach on the prophets or we preach on, on the, the, the accounts of the words of Jesus, um, I, could, I could err, and, and certainly do, can, but the word of Jesus cannot. Um, and so that's our goal, then, to align our... And, and to, to ensure that our preaching and all of our is in line with the words of Jesus. Yeah. So, you know, in sermon today, we'll be, we'll be listening to the words that Jesus spoke. And we're going to be listening to them and opening them up. 
And when that is, um, uh, when that is, that is also those spirits work to, to, to bring that to you. So this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. But he says, it was revealed to them, to the prophets, that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that, that have now been announced to you through, through those who preach the good news. So you've got preachers here that are preaching to them. Which we should probably, I don't know that I have a question about that on here. So we can answer that. Who are these that have preached the good news to, to the, these are the Christians in Asia Minor. Who preached the good news to you by the Spirit sent from heaven? Um, do you remember when we looked at the, that area, where the, how those churches generally were started? The Apostle Paul. Um, interestingly, though, like he kind of hints here uh, that those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, that's probably a reference to, remember when the Holy Spirit came down from heaven on Jesus' disciples, as he had promised, the Pentecost? Uh, which is, so probably in general referring to the apostles, but the Apostle Paul, interesting, wasn't that Pentecost that we know of. <laughs> uh, and he certainly wasn't speaking in tongues on Pentecost. He's converted later, right? Um, so you've got prophets and, and uh, apostles. Uh, that's how you heard these things. And the prophets, he says, were serving you. How did they serve you? They were dead before you were born. How did the prophets serve you? Through their, through their writings. Yeah? Um, and so does the scriptures... Our, that's, that's our, the Holy Spirit still does this for us through the, the words of Scripture that we have. I didn't move enough. All right? It'll come back eventually. So let's look at number, let's look at number two. Um, some examples of the prophet's writings concerning the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glory. Now, we don't have time to read all of Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, 8, and 16. But we just want to, um, you recall, I think, maybe, Isaiah 53. When I say Isaiah 53, does that ring a bell at all? If you know one chapter of, of the prophet Isaiah, this is the one to know. Um, Isaiah, and you'll recognize it as soon as I start reading You'll be like, oh, that one. Surely he, has, uh, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Recognize that? Yeah. Amazing. I mean, because you read this and you're like, and I think if I read this in church and people don't recognize, they're like, okay, you know, that's describing Good Friday. <laughs> like, and without realizing that this was written 700 years before. Which leads like uh, critical scholars to say, well, that couldn't have been. He couldn't have described in such detail. So it must have been written later. So they just, you know, they just think, well, no, that couldn't be. Um, but also, so he says that they, the Spirit of Christ, they predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. I think that's interesting because the, the, the prophets do that. Uh, so just exactly in this, um, um, uh, it's better in Psalm 22, where it describes not only the suffering, um, you know, this one doesn't do it too much. Uh, also, then, uh, hints at the resurrection and the, and the glory that is to come following the suffering. Um, it was the Lord, the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, oh, here, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It, it included in the, in the, the prediction of the suffering is also of the subsequent glory. Um, Psalm 22, likewise, if you don't know Psalm 22, I mean, you do as soon as I start reading it, if you don't know the number. Well, and I don't have to turn the page. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. Um, you know, when you go down, you, and you, when we hear this, usually Good Friday, right? Um, 
I am poured out like water, my bones are out of joint, my heart is like wax. Um, dogs encompass me, a couple of evildoers encircles me. I, they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, they stare and gloat over me. Um, but then, so the sufferings, but also, you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Oh, you, fear, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. Okay. Uh, it, has, it also predicts the subsequent glory. Uh, Jesus. Clarification. A psalm. Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than the angels, but now crowned him with glory and honor. Um, that's a psalm. Well, I don't. We don't have time to do that. That's a psalm that uh, the the modern new translations um, that that go kind of a, a gender neutral. They kind of pull Jesus out of that psalm because they say, "What is what is man that you are mindful of them?" But it's, it's, it's referring to Jesus. What is man that you are mindful of him? Um, Psalm 16, that's um, my... You will not abandon me to the grave. You will not abandon your holy one to the grave. Um, Psalm 16 and, and in Acts, Peter or Paul points to that and says, look, David's grave is still there. He's not talking about David, that's talking about Jesus. Um, Talking about his uh, his resurrection. And we could go all over the place. And and that that could be our lifelong mission of finding throughout the Old Testament these scattered. These, these are like the most obvious, like clear, like knock you over the head and say, What this was written seven hundred years before Christ. There's plenty more that are not as exact or not as, you know, like totally obvious. But it's all over. And that's why, you know, on Easter, remember Jesus walking with the two disciples and they don't recognize him. And Jesus opens it. He says, he opened the scriptures to them. Um, which, I mean, it's, it's not to be envious. I don't want to be envious of their opportunities to sit and walk with Jesus. Of course, they didn't even, like, recognize him. But um, for him to open up the scriptures just seems like such a time signal. <laughs> not have to, to pour through and dig through and learn and spend so much time in the scriptures. Not that that's a bad thing, right? We, we, should, we should do that. But, um, yeah, let's look at uh, number three. What does the prophet's careful inquiry and the, even the angel's desire to look into these things say about our need to continued, for continued study? So you see that, first of all, the prophets... You know, these guys who prophesied this, they, they got to see this, but it was years in the future. Like, they didn't see it with their eyes. They didn't see Jesus either. But they saw it through the, the Spirit of Christ indicating to them. Um, it says, they searched and inquired carefully. Um, so, like, they, you know... Here's the, here's the question. So if the, if the prophets who are receiving these words, I mean, you know, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. The guys who wrote that, they had to study it. And so they, they searched and inquired carefully. They're trying to figure out what person or time the Spirit of Christ was indicating. Who is he talking about? If the prophets had to study it. Question is, should, should our inquiry be less diligent? Well, you know, let someone else do it. You know, I suppose the prophets could have, like, you know, I just say what he told me to say. I don't know, whatever. It's, I don't know what it's about. Lamb like a sheep led to the slaughter. And someone else can figure that one out. I'm just going to, no, no, they, 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 again. So what does that mean? What? What can we say? What can we say about our own study of the scriptures, including the prophets? I mean, I think it should urge us on to, to dig in all the more. I mean, 
here. Whose need is whose need, or who needs to study more? Um, you know, the prophets. Who, you know, they, they they're writing it. They they're right there. Um, at the same time, we've got the key. So in a sense, it should be easier for us. We have guys like Peter writing epistles that, that you know, make this clear to us. They, we have the Gospels that tell us exactly how this stuff comes to fulfillment. Like, we've got the answer key. So we should be able to delight, even in the prophets, the Old Testament prophets, even more so, and see just how, how wonderfully crafted this all was. Um, but at the same time, we have some obstacles because our, we're, we're separated by time. And so I don't, you know, it, it, it takes a long time to, to learn Hebrew. Um, but that does open up. And so maybe, you know, I don't have, I'm not going to do that, but, but I may need to, I'm separated by time and language. And some, there's, there's, some, there's some work to be done just by, by t- separation of distance. And, you know, I don't necessarily understand. I don't understand all the words. So I need to do some work sometimes. Um, Pastor, do you think there's also that, you know, you see they, they were serving not themselves. So that was purposely written in there. And do you think it's staying in the word more because we're probably the first ones to idolize or feel like we're righteous? Or, you know, all those other things that kind of go with feeling like we're players in the story. They were serving not themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're not in the room, yeah. wouldn't that be our tendency? And isn't that what we're seeing a lot of? Sure. When you no longer have morals and other things like that, that you're quick to put yourself and your feelings and everything else out there? Yeah, yeah. How about that? Just to, to have in mind, for the prophets, to have in mind that what they're doing is not for themselves at all. I mean, it's not only themselves, I guess. They, they surely get something out of it. But, um, yeah. And, and even there, you know, and I don't think this is limited. It's like, well, you know, the prophets, they were not serving themselves, but, but you, Asia Minor Christians, in <laughs> first century AD, um, I think that's, that could be a generally expensive. So it's not limited to just that. To, to just the, the, the recipients of the initial recipients, we are also recipients of this letter too. Yeah, and just to think of that, the way God serves us through other people—that's a delight. You see that in the gospel today. You know, um, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? You did it. How did how did Jesus? Who was feeding them? He was, but they they got to even even to see the, the way that our actions have Jesus behind them, too. Uh, when we're serving not ourselves, but others. And, and that, you know, these recipients needed to hear this, too. Um, that, that yeah, This has been written for you. You know? It's, it's not... We will sometimes... We, it's good for us to remember the context. Right in the scriptures of who something was written to. Now, like you know, so Isaiah the prophet writes the scroll, and you know, like he's got an intended audience, and, and Peter writing an epistle has an intended audience, and the Gospels. You know, some of the people will say, well, Matthew's writing for Jews, and you know, maybe Luke is writing for Gentiles, and that can be useful for helping understand some parts of it. But I, I think it's probably most helpful for us to, with all the scriptures, to remember that this was written for you. You know, so that when John, at the end of his gospel, says, you know, I could have written, I mean, there's so much more about what Jesus did and said, I just can't write it all. It would have been, couldn't even, all the books in the world couldn't record it. But, but then he says, but these are written. The, the, the stuff that I did write down, these are written that you may believe. Who is you? What's the one reading it? <laughs> Which includes us. Um, and I don't know whether John in his mind is thinking, huh, I'm thinking of those guys at Wood Lake. And, you know, um, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So the prophet, you know, that's, that's great to see John writes the same way, right? 
for, for, for those who would come after him. Jesus thinks of that too. Remember in John 17 when he's doing his high priestly prayer. And he says, I'm praying this not for, not for these, but also, he, says, he specifically says, also for those who will believe in me through their message. On the night Jesus is betrayed, the night Jesus, before Jesus goes to the cross, he says, he's praying to, to the Father. And, and he says, I pray not just for these, my disciples that are with me here, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. I mean, the, you know, on the night Jesus was betrayed, the night Jesus, before Jesus died, he was thinking of you. That's who he was concerned about. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, what, how, how, what and how should we study? Well, what should we study? The prophets were studying their own writings. What should we study? Their writings, too. Yeah, there's not be a clue. We, we got the whole scriptures, right? Um, we, you know, we, we, could, we could also say that there are other things besides the scriptures. Not, not that we're going to ever put anything on a different level, but we do have, we do have been blessed have been blessed with more things. You know, when we were studying through church history and we talked about the church fathers, like we recognize that they all have faults, but there's some real value in the fact that between then and now, there have been Christian teachers that have that, that can be helpful to us along the way. We have fathers that, that would teach us too. But mainly the scriptures, that's going to be our, that's everything. Um, how should we study it doesn't tell us how they did it, other than it has some words like carefully. And they searched. You know, searching doesn't mean like, well, I looked up a passage in catechism class because the pastor told me to look up a passage in catechism class, and that was the extent of my Bible reading. <laughs> That's not what they did. <laughs> what does searching the scriptures and inquiring carefully indicate? It, it, it includes that it's not just a, like a one-time thing, or it's, it should probably be an ongoing thing. Um, if you get to the end of it, if you get to the bottom of it, you know, you can you figure it out the scriptures. Go ahead and stop. You know, it's like you know you're digging. You know, you, if you dig to China, you can stop. You get there. Um, the scriptures are in a river in which in uh, a lamb can swim and an elephant can walk. Or a, a lamb can walk and an elephant can swim. Um, there's, there's, you, you, you won't get to the bottom of it. So, so this would be this constant thing. Um, carefully, you know, what does that mean? I mean, so, so certainly studying the scriptures jointly with other, with other people with some um, you know, direction, say in Bible class, but we want... We, We're, we're not limited by, you know, having someone guide me. I mean, there is, there is something to be, to be led into the scriptures. You know, like uh, the Ethiopian uh, to Philip, and he says, how can I understand this without someone explaining it to me? When he's, re he's reading Isaiah, and, and then they, you know, he gets out, and, or he gets him into the chariot, and he explains it to him. So that's valuable. But it's not like, like we, we can't read the Bible, um, and, and, we, and we should. But then, then we've got we've got helps that, that can help us. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, some and, and probably this careful probably needs some kind of discipline. It's probably not just like random. Open the Bible to wherever it falls, and that's where I'm going to read. I, I would hope that wherever the page falls, you'll find something useful. But you know, there's probably something to some kind of discipline order for that. You know, look for something. Searching doesn't is not wandering. You know, um, searches. I'm looking for something. What am I looking for? What are they searching? They were looking for the time. Um, when Christ, what I would maybe caution you against, though. So, if the prophets were looking to indicate what the time was when these things would take place, you don't see them coming out and and like alerting people. Guys, I figured it out. Jesus is coming. In AD four, <laughs> you know, or, you know, there's gonna 
They don't give the, you know, like, they don't, they don't do what sometimes you'll hear some preachers try to, like, you know, I figured it out. I added up all the numbers which correspond to the letters in this chapter, and then I divided them, and I found that, you know, I did some, like, calculation, and I figured it out. He's going to be born. You, you do have, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small in the clans of Judah, you know that. You know the place, and you know a virgin will conceive, right? Uh, but they didn't, you know, they didn't get Mary's address. And that's okay. We don't know. We don't need to know. So, you know, you can study the, the, the book of Revelation. It is a wonderful book. Um, but don't expect, don't expect that you can read the scriptures with one hand and then have the newspaper in the other hand, or for certainly not the internet on the other hand, and then trying to compare them and trying to see, ah, oh, I see it now. Use, use the news to find out what's going on. And, and, and what you see will reflect what Jesus has promised. But put your hope in the, in, in the words of Jesus. Um, yeah, we, we don't need to expect that we're going to discover somehow that the, there's some secret uh, that, that we're going to find and we're going to figure out, well, you know, well, this must be. Now Jesus is coming. Here's, here's the thing. When Jesus comes, you will know. <laughs> no question, right? You'll recognize his voice. We're out of time. I did put out uh, hymn sheets. I had to wrestle with which uh, version to use, but I, this is the, the setting from TLH from the old Lutheran hymnal. Um, all of them are different. But let's, let's close with these. I think we can do, we'll do both stanzas. That'll give us one to warm up with. Mm -hmm.